Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I left academia about one year ago to become a scientific editor for grants and manuscripts and an editorial manager for our science website. I'm Ian, and I've recently left academia to move into a science communication, editing, and publishing career. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about two years ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Hi, and welcome back to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm here with Clady and Ian, and today we're going to interview Ian, because for this season of the Recovering Academic, we are interviewing other recovering academics as well as doing our topical episodes and we thought that it was only fair if we interviewed each other first before we subject other people to this <laughs> so ian is now so ian is now officially a recovering academic he has just started as a virtual lab manager at happy labs and is a new resident of chicago illinois Woo-hoo! so congratulations ian yes thank you i'm still getting used to it like I mean, I've only been here for a couple of weeks, so it's really new for me, and I'm still getting used to things. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's good. Like, I, I do like living in the city again. It's, you know, it's a lot bigger, and I'm still trying to figure out where things are and stuff. <laughs> it's good. And work's been fine. Like, I'm basically still learning a lot, so, and trying to just, you know get a feeling for doing the work in an office rather than a lab Mm -hmm. and I'm still doing some scientific stuff because you know like by the nature of what the company does like I you know have to interact some with scientists and some with and a lot with vendors and scientific suppliers and you know learning that side of it that scientists often don't pay as much attention Mm -hmm. to just like find the thing you need, order it as fast as possible, and never look at the paperwork ever again. Um, Like, that's the idea of what the company does, is, like, you know, Happy Labs takes that part of it just out of scientists' hands and, you know, does it more professionally, Mm -hmm. basically, than a scientist normally would because they want to get back to doing science. Yeah. Hmm. So how's it been so, working? That's the so idea. has it been working in an office as compared to a lab? Like how has how's the tr- tr- or transition been and what was most startling? Uh I mean so it, yeah, I, I mean I'm still getting used to it, but like I I sit a lot more than I stand. Um that's you know I don't know how to feel about that cuz like I didn't really mind standing that much. Um and Generally, it's a lot quieter, too. I, I don't know if what you guys' labs are like, but, you know, like, there was always, like, equipment humming in the yes. background and minus 80s make noise and incubators <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there's just none of that in the office. Like, I mean, we're we're nearby. Uh, we're actually, like, in the little office we're next, like, we are next to a lab, but um, it's a pretty quiet one. So it's a lot quieter and... Um, you know, like, and it's getting, you know, there's some getting used to, I guess, I I guess there's more direct work with colleagues and like, there's more of, you know, like, it's not focusing on my research, right? It's, 
you know, solving, you know, client problems as a team a lot more. So it's more like teamwork, right? Right. A little bit more, yeah. I mean, it's not, again, like Ocean's 8, like Science, it's none of that because it definitely does, but it's a little bit different in focus, I guess, is what I would say. Um, and so, so yeah, and yeah, so like it's been fine. Like I'm okay with it. Like, you know, I get to, um, yeah, like I have a computer, I have a desk, I sit at regularly and, you know, spend most of the day sitting at. And do and, you have to talk to people on the phone? Uh, yeah, actually a fair bit. Oh, like yeah. it's that's a little bit new too like for me anyway yeah how's um, that suiting like, you because i know that you're kind of yeah introverted I mean, so so i mean well the thing about this is right the thing of that is it's not that bad because it's easier for me to do it when i can say like oh this is literally the function and use of, like this is what i have to do right mm -hmm. now right like this is literally the job and like if there's something to focus on like it's not nearly as much of a problem um, that makes sense like the worst part I, I, frank, I, honestly the worst part of all the phone calls I've had to make so far is waiting on hold like, <laughs> like oh yeah and the Muzak yeah the Muzak yeah and some companies are a lot better than others and you know it, I mean and you really like being on hold is the worst because you're tempted to try and do something else, but then, like, you don't know how long you're going to be on hold for, and so, like, you don't know how engaging of a task you can... You don't know how engaging of a task you can engage in while being on <laughs> hold and get interrupted and have that be okay, right, before... Right. You know what I mean? So, like, you want to, like, do something that's relatively mindless, but it's not always obvious what that might be, and... Because you don't know how long you'll be on hold, and... Anyway, so, like, but, yeah, that's honestly the worst part of it. And, you know, they're usually very quick phone calls, and it's not, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not too bad. Like, it, it, I mean, it really isn't that awful. It's just, you know, yeah, I'm sure at some point, like, it, I'm probably going to be calling a lot of the same people over and over again. And so, like, who knows? Like, I might actually get to know these people a little bit, um, depending on who I'm calling, right? Like, I'm right. sure that... Calling a large company, I'll probably never talk to the same person twice, but um, there's some, like, small companies that we call pretty routinely, and, like, I'm sure it's the same person who answers the phone almost every time. Yeah, you should, I don't know, the, the, for me, because I, my job is talk on the phone uh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, a lot, yeah, so I do have, I use the Workflowy app, I really like that that is kind of like an inception of bullet bullet points so it's mm -hmm. just it's like a blank blank page and bullet point and then you can enter that bullet point and create a, another bullet point and create another another until forever so what i do is i have like for instance like one bullet point universities so then I click on that one and I have all the list of universities and then I click on one university I have all the departments and then I click on the departments then I have the professors and when I click on the professor I write um, every interaction that we have on the phone I kind of like okay uh, the day and then 
I said that professor is moving, professor is applying for grant, grant was not funded, or whatever, you know. And normally I, I also put um, a hashtag with the month that I want to contact that professor again. So I normally try to contact everybody every between four and six months. So so then, for instance, if it's now July, I'll probably will contact them in January or you know okay. uh and and it works for me because in the beginning you think that you're going to remember everybody and you think that you're going to remember what everybody said but after you have uh 10 15 100 different people you don't remember so it's kind of good because then you can come back mm -hmm. to that before calling the same person and and then say ha ah, you were uh, you just moved to a new building how is it you know and mm -hmm. oh yeah because yeah. and and then um and then you remember so it's it's kind of good because then it makes it sound that you remember and 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 you have yeah. some connection you know i don't know if that will yeah. help you ian but for me it... i mean for the kind of phone calls we're making no because like i mean for you you're building relationships and like i mean to some extent maybe i will be too but like the phone calls I have to make, the other thing about it is they tend to be very scripted. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm trying to track down this order. You know what I mean? And oh, okay. tell me, can you tell me anything about, you know, when's it going to ship? And, you know, like, it's that very basic info that, you know, that do we you need. Do, do you do a sort of relationship building between you and the PI that you're, like, working with? Um... Or is that kind of handled through a third party, or is it online? So yeah, most of it happens online. Like, like I, I mean, yeah, I, I like forms. Or my something. sense is that it, yeah, I mean, the scientist tells what we need electronically, basically, and okay. mostly, like most of the clients are private companies um, or small oh, really? companies. Yeah, so and like you know, they tell us the scientists tell us what we need electronically. We go get it and crack. Mm -hmm place the orders, track the packages, and, you know, the scientists let us know if there's a problem or if they need something faster or if it's not important or, you know what I mean? It's... Right. So, like, you know, every so often there's a phone call or something like that, but um, it's not... It, yeah, I mean, I, I think part of the goal as a lab manager is to be as unobtrusive as possible to the scientists, like, they say what they need. We mm -hmm. go get it. They get it. Done. Um, so, like... Yeah. And so, I don't... I also want to um, touch a little bit on... I know that you are still doing some writing for the Quiet Branches, which I, I still think be continuing is, that. But, yeah. Yeah, so you're still continuing working on that, which is thequietbranches.com. Yep, that's my blog. Um, I'm... Yeah, I've had to take a hiatus. Wanted to make sure I writing. got the URL correct. No, it is thequietbranches.com. You got it. And I'm still going to be publishing there and as much as I can. I had to take a hiatus this last month to move and get settled and, you know, think about other things besides writing stories and work. Um, but you also write for others. You have other yeah, I do. editor freelance uh, stuff, right? Yes, and I'm going to continue being, like, I'm a volunteer editor at the post-docket, and I'm going to be doing that for the next, um, I mean, I forget when my appointment started and when it's up, but 
Um, I'll be doing that at least through the end of the year, I'm pretty sure. And, like, I'd be happy to continue on if that, you know, works out. But, um, because, uh, like, I do enjoy doing that work. And it's not, mm -hmm. like, there's a bunch of associate editors at the post docket. And so the workload is actually pretty light on the whole for each individual editor. Um, and it's the editor-in-chief who really does the most, for sure. Like, just finalizing everything and putting out the final issue each month. Because that, I mean, yeah, that was the other thing. Like, the postdoc had moved from quarterly to monthly this year. So, um, every oh, month wow. so that... there's, you know, a slate of articles. And I guess, yeah, I, I guess I can say this. Because by the time it releases, I think the first article will be published. But, like, I, I've also been developing a series of stories with them for publication. So, that's been a fun part of being an editor, oh, too. Really cool. Yeah, like what was what are the series of stories? Uh, like? We're talking about, I, I mean, largely the theme is the value of a postdoc and trying to figure out like what the value of the experience is as an academic. The, like, this was inspired by I, I think it was in Science Careers a piece about like how basically like you're not getting paid a lot of money as an academic, like mm -hmm. an early career academic, right? Especially um, not. But like yeah. even like professors now aren't getting paid very much either. I don't think and so the value of the experience is not financial and so this is sort of a series peeling back about you know like so what is the value of a postdoc and like how do you get the most out of it like when you're like we decided to break it down by phase that you're in of like if you're about to decide to do a postdoc or you're early on in your postdoc like in the first mm -hmm. year or two maybe and then if you're, like, in mid-career postdoc, like, three to five years, and then for a series of postdocs beyond that, and, like, how do you get the most out of the experience, no matter where you are as, you know, a postdoctoral scholar? Mm -hmm. That sounds like a really great yeah. series. Yeah, and so the first one... Something that I could have used when I was... <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, this is the thing, like, we're... Because, like, that's the thing. We're trying to figure out, like, what what isn't out there and what um, needs to be out there. Yeah, and I feel that, that that must be feel rewarding, kind of like paying it back, you know, like helping other postdocs that are out there figure it out. Right. So it's it's more on the same lines of our podcast. I, I'm Right. I mean, it goes along the theme of, I mean, for me, of, you know, like I, I get to help scientists and be better. So like, you know, I mean, the current full-time job I have is, you know, like, largely about helping scientists do their work better, right? Mm -hmm. And saving them money, ideally, um, in the end, which, I mean, largely ends up happening over time because, you know, like, scientists don't tend to window shop very much, right? It's like, oh, right. Fisher has that very specific thing, and I'm going to get it because they have it, and I don't want to take the time to really go you know, comparison right. shop. Well, and also they tend to um, not have the time to kind of window shop. That's like, also when true. When you need a reagent, right. you need it. So Right, exactly. Like, and there are a lot of cases where it's just like, well, Thermo Fisher has that thing and nobody else does. So guess who I'm going to order from? So like, there's a lot of cases like that, case, right? Yeah. But I mean, like, even in the case where it's just like, it's a very general reagent, like um, when I was in um grad school like i needed tripton so like 
looking for that. Like, I'm not going to go through, like, I need it now. So I'm not going to go looking at Fisher and Malbio and whoever. I'm going to just right, exactly. order it from Fisher because I know they have it. Right. And so, right. And so, like, yeah. So, like, you know, like, yeah, it's sort of the virtual lab manager's job to balance those factors. Like, if a scientist needs it tomorrow, well, yeah, fine. We don't have time to go shopping and we'll just order it from the best place that we know to find it that can get it there when the scientist needs it. Right. But there are other things that are a lot less urgent and it's like, oh yeah, we can take the time to go, you know, compare us, compare prices. And like, I mean, the people who have been virtual lab managers for a number of years, like they just have a sense of where to go get stuff. So it's... Well, I'm thinking like even when it's not like when I need Tripton, like I needed it, I knew we were running out, but it, the time it would take for me to go look for it would be better spent doing something you know, else running an experiment right exactly so right, so this is the other thing of you know like it's part of being like it's part of specialization in science tasks like it's part of the professionalization of science you know like the aspects of all the things go into science like one of those is managing inventory and supplies and like that is a whole thing unto itself like you know there could be phds done on that field right it's um and so, and, like, it's happening in a number of other areas of science, too, right? Like, outsourcing sequencing, like, to Illumina, and, you know, like, that's, like, another instance of that. On a random side note, there, you were saying that it could be a whole PhD unto itself. It is. There is a... Um, is it? Organizational sciences. There is oh, an yeah, entire for sure. field in this. Really? And I, I learned about this recently. Yeah. yeah um, of course there is. <laughs> I, yes. I mean, look... There are, yeah, there's an entire field. They have some specialty journals as well. They have the, um, the, oh, well, I apparently am missing, oh, it's because it's this page. The Administrative Science Quarterly and Academy of Management Journal. Yep. Like, those are both very big journals for organizational sciences. I just found this out. Right. And, I mean, if you think about it, like, historically, and it yes. makes sense. right, historically, yes. it's an important thing, too, of, like, just, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, one of the, like, I think this is true. Like one of the biggest parts of the military budget is actually all logistics, right? And oh, management yeah. and figuring out how to get stuff where it needs to go and how to get what they need to like, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's yeah. a massive well, and part. Hospitals. And hospitals. Oh yeah, hospitals for sure. Hospitals do this a lot. That's yep. what um the context that this was in was that it was looking at hospitals and how to improve like um patient flow and how to figure out if you're building a new hospital like how many beds do you need like right and a whole like there's a whole variety right so in a way this is something that's relatively like new to science and scientists right like it's Mm -hmm. um yeah not necessarily new but like the idea of sort of like farming that task out to somebody else is relatively new as an idea i think yeah yeah, the concept to scientists are new, but the actual idea of it is not. I, I think say. it all goes together also with, because this costs money, so uh, maybe, mm-hmm. and I don't really know if professors are allowed to spend grant money on that. So then, oh, yeah, uh, that might be one issue, you know, kind of like, oh, that would be great, but uh, it will cost us... When I get paid by yeah. professors, I get paid out of overhead funds. Right. I mean, I think this would, yeah, qualify and as that overhead. Would have to be. And I, I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, look, if we can 
like if 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 it's a service that saves money in the long run, like it's worth oh, having, right? I mean, that's oh, the bottom yeah. line of it. And so, because you know, like there's always the struggle of like, do you do everything internally or do you you know farm it out to somebody else who could do it better, right? It's and like depends on how many resources you have yourself, and like you know, for like a department, it's probably absolutely feasible to, you know farm a lot of things outside of the department like for an individual lab in, in at a university it may not be but um you know anyway it's yeah it's a whole interesting world that's new to me and you know i'm still very much learning but it's fun like you know it's yeah, yeah so I, I kind of enjoy the work like it's it's not you know at least like i mean it's not that there doesn't require mental energy it definitely does but it's there's not I guess as much radical task switching as in a scientific laboratory where, you know, you're juggling 17 experiments at once and thinking about 20 different things. I, you know, it's a lot more focused, I guess I would say like, you know, even if there are like lots of little tasks within what I do, it's not nearly as the breadth isn't as much there in like, it's more specialized, I think, than in academia, than, like, if you're sitting there in the lab and have to, like, sort of, like, spin a lot of plates yourself, because that's just what you're expected to do. Right. So, kind of, you've gone over kind of, like, how it's different, but what is the biggest challenge or challenges that you face in your position right now? I I mean, I think a lot of it is just, um, like, the other thing about this is, like, learning the financial side, like, because we keep track of invoices and that stuff too which is just like something like scientists don't think about a lot either at all like you know it's Mm -hmm. just like yeah you know it costs what it costs whatever um and just keeping track of that is pretty new to me and like the systems that we use to do that are fairly new and so you know it's not necessarily hard because Mm -hmm. you know it follows a certain logic and it's like yeah putting things in boxes (laughs) essentially that's what it is um, it's a learning process, right? right exactly, and it's, it's still just new like, to you. Yeah, it's still pretty new to me, and so you know, so there's that side of it that's new that I need to learn better than I do now. And like I said, like a lot of it, it does come down to sort of just knowing where things need to go. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like where to put this and where to put that, and what data goes in what cell in the spreadsheet. You know, right. Um, all stuff that I have done in the past, it, to some extent, it's just not dealing with money, right? Or, right. you know what I mean? Figuring out, like, it, you know, the, the art of figuring out, like, hey, what's the best deal for the thing I'm looking for? And, you know, sometimes, like, like I said, sometimes it makes sense to go shopping and find something else or find an alternative or find a different supplier or, and sometimes it doesn't, like, you know, and it's just, like, I don't know. I, I mean developing a sense of that i think is a little bit difficult right now because like i mean i don't know like you know like where do you get chemicals oh you buy them from sigma right like it's a skill that you have to develop (laughs) right because like the thing is like i mean you know like maybe i just have a warped sense of it but like it's like oh yeah you need a chemical you order from sigma but like during my phd in graduate school like sigma aldrich was literally down the street in st louis and like it just they could deliver something in two hours to us in a lot of cases and like (laughs) you know and they offered us like better 
you know, pricing, I think, on a lot of things because we were right there. Um, assuming they had it, like, in St. Louis. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, to some extent, I'm like, oh, yeah, you just get stuff from Sigma because, you know. Um, but, like, you know, certainly knowing, like, this side of it, like, it's the broader picture of it. Like, it's a lot different. It's like, no, you don't necessarily just go straight to Sigma for everything. Um, there was one of my biggest things when I moved to the U.S. when uh, you can order and you can get it in a week. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was when I was working, when I did a visiting, I was a visiting Ph.D. at Rockefeller and we were ordering like antibodies. And if it was from the East Coast, it will be there in like the next day. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it was from the West Coast in three days. And I was like, in Brazil, it would take at least a month, wow. 40, 45, pro- more more likely from 45 to 60 days. Wow. So you order an, an, uh, yep. uh, an antibody and it would take two months oh to get gosh. to your hand. Yes. Oh, man. So that, with, that's... With yes, Amazon? Yes. I have Amazon Prime, but with Amazon now, like if I have to wait three days for something, like something is a day late and I don't get my two-day shipping, I am just horrified. (laughs) First first world problems, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the the shipping infrastructure is pretty incredible. That is very true. Like, you know, like, yeah, just having that is something that's impressive, like, you know. And of course, like, I mean, obviously there are hiccups and issues that happen with that. Um, and like, I'm learning about those that come up too for various things. Because, you know, shipping internationally is still right. like still kind of a hassle time. no matter what. Like, and that happens mm-hmm. sometimes. And, um, and you know, like, winter, and of course blizzards. there are like weather and, you know, like even like yeah. UPS and FedEx, like they have like software glitches every so often too, which just... And sometimes it gets delayed in customs. I remember right. when I was doing radioactive, when I was doing in situ hybridization with radioactives, and then I have to import like S25. Oh my God. Then And then it has like a half life super fast. So if yeah. it's delayed on the customs and it comes to my hand like one week later, it kind of, it's almost ruined. You know, mm-hmm. you cannot do the same amount of experiments that you wanted to do before so yeah right it it's it can be a hassle yep and like there are just you know like learning about all this like there's some companies that are very reliable and some that aren't so in terms of suppliers right right Mm -hmm. so like you know i'm learning that too like it almost doesn't seem that you started just like that long so little time ago mm-hmm. because it yeah. seems that you already uh learned a lot you well already, i mean like... yeah i mean i have but at the same time like it's i, I mean you know like it, this is just you know observations of two weeks right just you know like and like this is a company i've known about for a couple of years actually so like i've known what they've do, done for a couple of years in broad strokes right it's learning the details that is a little bit harder and learning the system and like learning to do it efficiently right just like because like that part's different right exactly it's there's there's muscle memory involved in doing like the keystrokes right because like you know i'm seeing a computer all day basically and and like knowing when to call and when you can email you know it's stuff like that right Mm -hmm. 
But you look fairly happy to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I, you know, like I said, it's, yeah, like I, I mean, you know, like I like overall the neighborhood that I live in. Like I still haven't explored very much, but it is nice being back in a big city. It's kind of nice, like, you know, I don't have my car here with me because like it broke down. And so like I just left it in New Hampshire, basically. Um, like, and so. But what about the feeling of not being a postdoc anymore? Which is also being... very nice. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, like, yeah. I don't miss it at all uh-huh. like i really that was gonna be my haven't. next question yeah i haven't missed oh, i don't miss it very much <laughs> I, like i think i was just very ready for something different mm-hmm. um and so you know like i don't yeah like it's very nice having a pretty decent separation between like you know i i work during the day and then i go home and don't think about my job very much until the next day because i don't have to it's really nice Right. I, I mean, like, you know, it's like, yeah, like I, you know, during the times I'm on, you know, at the day job, like at my job, like, yeah, I'm there and I'm doing it and I'm focused on it and I'm concentrating to figure out how to do it the best I can. And then, you know, time to go home and I don't think about it until the next day again. Um, that's that seems good. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that's quite nice actually like i really do enjoy that aspect of it a lot like you know again like it's not that i can't say like i never i don't think about work tomorrow or getting there or whatever but Mm -hmm. it's you know it's it's a lot less like i'm not it's not like the same thoughts of like how is this experiment work and what does it mean and like what is the result and you know it's this is very much like you know just order the thing it's ordered track the thing it's tracked <laughs> you know like it's it's very like you know like and then you just move on to the next one right mm-hmm. it's I, yeah i really actually like that aspect of it a lot like you know it's you know it's very it's very regular like you know i mean obviously there are bigger issues to solve every so often and like you know i'm learning to handle those but um and of course like there are like you know like you know you can get as bonkers as you need to with like scientific equipment like if somebody's like clady you know is like a salesperson like ordering like a massive piece of equipment or something you know that takes you know a lot more than just you know putting something in a shopping cart on vwr right (laughs) um yes at the same time it's you know and that requires some care and work it's just you know like yeah putting together a quote like it's like yeah i can help you go find that and it's like, you know, I enjoy doing that. It's fine. And, like, it's a lot. And then you just move on to the next one, right? <laughs> like, it's right. just, it's so nice having that, you know, you just sort of, like, yeah. And you, know, you can you process check as things many off as you of a can. list. You can check things off of a list. Like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff left open at the end of the day, I guess. That's what I would say. And um, that's nice. Like, you know, there's things that resolve relatively quickly. And that is nice. Like, I mean, again, there are exceptions, but it's not, you know, for the most part, it's just, it's all there, right? It's like, oh yeah, check it off the list straight away. And it's really nice. Um, Just having like that thing done for the day. So I have two questions left for you that you can answer part of any of, or in any order that you wish. So the 
first question is when did you realize that you wanted to leave academia because we sort of moved straight from you know yeah. there into transitioning and then my second question is and what would you tell your younger self yeah i mean because i feel like so, those two questions can right. kind of dovetail together rather nicely. sure i mean i think i knew i wanted to leave academia probably almost five or six years ago like it's been a while and it took me a long time to get out and so like that's part of the reason i think the change is so nice and i don't think about academia that much because mm -hmm. like you know it's just something that was like you know what i don't think this is my future anymore and i don't know what's next and it took me a long time to figure out you know constructing like a full life like you know more of an identity outside of myself as an academic as a worker right right um so you know so like it took me a while to like find a voice and like that's what writing was about and so like i do that and like i edit and then just trying to figure out how i can fit into like a full-time job in the real world like that also took a very long time like you know this job at happy lab like essentially got through networking right like as everyone says like you get mm -hmm. most of your jobs through networking and knowing right. people um and so uh so yeah so like i think i was ready like years ago and so and i've been trying to like figure out just what that would look like for a long time and now it's you know finally sort of happened in a way that i you know it was time for a change like it all happened relatively quickly so that's mm -hmm. a little disorienting i guess but uh but you know like again a good change like I said, my neighborhood is nice like i you know like living um my apartment's coming together slowly and like you know it's yeah nice neighborhood um yeah made a like, lot of know. ikea trips maybe one. <laughs> yeah i made one ikea trip so far like i probably actually do need to go back because there's some <laughs> things that like there's some gaps i need to fill i love um, ikea I do too. Like it really is a good store. Mm -hmm. like, oh just, my god! Yes. Like it was my yeah. first time at one ever. So. Oh. Every time like, I go I, there, I decide that I'm going to live at 800 square feet, and like I'm going to do my house or apartment or whatever it is, whatever I end up downsizing to, exactly like how IKEA has their little. <laughs> yes, their little like showrooms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so jealous of like. Hey, in Chicago, the Ikea, like, there's two Ikeas in the region, but they're both, like, fairly far out of the city. There are two, yeah. But, like, I was in St. Louis last fall, and the Ikea there is in the middle of the city. And it's just, like, I mean, it's literally just, like, right there. Like, you can't, yeah. Um, which is just, like, mind-blowing to me. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be so nice to have that right there. Um... Yeah, did I answer your two questions? Sorry, I don't... Um, so the other question is, what would you tell your younger self? So, what would I tell my younger self? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, like... Or as maybe I, our younger list or not younger, but our listeners that aren't as far along... Our earlier that. career researchers? Yes, that's um, what I go for. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, like, as I often think about, like, just, you know, don't wait or hesitate so much. Just, you know, start exploring career options as soon as possible and like sort of develop like you know what your interests are beyond yourself as a scientist as an academic as like you know whatever you're like i mean i can't prove this but like i feel like academics have a strong like identity with their work 
mm-hmm. right? Like they identify as academics, as scholars, as like it very much is like, you know, this is literally who I am, and I'm nobody else. Like I am my work. Like there's that that's very strong in academics, and like I would encourage breaking that down a lot more than maybe mo- like people do. Like to say like, hey, no, 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 you're like you are somebody beyond your work, beyond being a scholar, beyond an academic, right? That's what yeah. I would encourage younger people to do. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. like that. And I think that's good, yeah. I think that's a good place to um, wrap it up on, that you are not your work. I like that. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything more profound than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, let's finish on. like that. Yes, go on and I know. Yes. So with that, I would like to thank you all for listening again this week to The Recovering Academic, and we will talk with you next time. Bye-bye. This week's Recovering Academic is sponsored by Scientific Dispatches Consulting, an editorial service for scientists. They specialize in helping you tell your research story clearly and concisely. Scientific Dispatches offers consulting, editing, writing, and presentation preparation services. You can find out more and schedule a free consultation at scientificdispatches.com. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps other people find out about us. You can tweet the show at RecoveringAcad. You can also find all of the hosts on Twitter. I'm at LadyScientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore PMS. And I'm at IH Street. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash recoveringacademicpodcast. You can find all of our episodes and subscribe to our newsletter on our website at recoveringacademic.net. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower.